All right, y'all heard him, everybody on your feet. Let's give God a few seconds of praise this morning. Come on, lift your voices. Let's get some fire in this room. Some fire for the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, this is all for you. We are only here for you, Father. You and nothing else. All right. Y'all ready to preach with me? If not, it's going to be a really long, boring sermon, so please help me, okay? I get into this, like, nerd, dork, geek vibe, and I just, like, love useless information that makes me happy, but no one else. Ask my wife. She's very fluent in this. So uh, but, so y'all preach with me on this. We're reading out of John 3, 8. This is our foundation passage. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, your, your word come alive right now. Your name be on display through it. May it get into us down to the very bones and marrow inside of us, Father. We want you to be at our core. Reveal that to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody can be seated. All right. So... I want to unpack this. We're going, to, we're going to do a little bit of a recap for the first two sermons. So we've been in the Discovering series. Everybody, we having a good time in that series, everybody? Okay, good. We learning something? No? Yes? All right. The first two sermons that we did, we did Discovering Passion and we did Discovering Gifting. So we learned with this, um, I wanted to do a little bit of kind of an unpack on that foundation verse. I love this because I was reading through it. And at first I was kind of like, oh, how does this fit? How is this going? And um, this has more to do with, it says, so, everyone, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So this is about spiritual rebirth, okay? When we're reading this passage right here, this is about God coming alive in us, doing something new in us, taking that, all the things that we read, taking the heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. It'd be us coming alive in his Spirit, Amen. So that's what this is about. That's what Jesus is talking about. And I love this. I, just, I, had, to, I had to do this. I love it when Jesus kind of gets like, cheeky. You know what I mean? He kind of like, he kind of likes, how's it? He's kind of a jerk in this. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's being mean. I'm not saying he's being rude or anything, but it's like, it's so funny because he's talking to Nicodemus in this passage. And he says, uh, who, uh, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus thinking he's like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't make sense, moron. Let me show you. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, obviously, like, we're reading this in the, in the Bible, you know, like, the Bible has kind of taken on this other, especially when you've been raised in it, it loses a little bit of its oomph, you know what I mean? That we forget that this is, like, real, like, it happened. This is something we've been going through with the worship team, that Jesus is a, was a real person. Okay, I know I said was, stick with me. He was a real person. Roman fact, Roman history, history proves this, uh, Jewish history proves this, um, world history proves this, even other religions cite him. I know Islam does, and I think Buddhism does too. They all cite him, and they say, yeah, he was, he was there. So this dude was real. He walked, he breathed, he talked, he ate, he made fun of people. He did a lot of different things. The only question is, is he God? Y'all hear me? That's the question today. This is where the word kind of leaps off the page and you go, oh, okay, so this ain't just some story that I read. This isn't like the Rougarou, you know what I mean? Y'all know what the Rougarou is? Anybody? Who doesn't? Oh, good. I'm glad. No, no. Welcome to Southeast Louisiana. Okay, so in the north, you got the Yeti. In the Great Woods, you got, you got Bigfoot. You got Sasquatch. Down here in the swamp, you got the Rougarou. 
That's, that's our version, the Rougarou. If you, go to the, if you go to the zoo, you'll see the Rougarou in the swamp exhibit. It's a big old thing in there. But, so I love it that Nicodemus says this cheeky little sentence to God, uh, to Jesus, and he goes, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. He, he kind of like slaps him across the face. Like, is it really that hard to believe, man? Like, you guys have been reading in all of the Old Testament of all the times that the Spirit of God came over somebody. And now Nicodemus decides to get all literal. You know what I mean? And God's just like, nah, there you go. You're an idiot. You deserve that. So anyway, sorry, that was a side note for me, completely for me. I'm starting this off good. <laughs> but uh, we're going to go, the, uh, let's recap a little bit of discovering passion. So passion happens when the breath of God invades your reality. Doesn't that, doesn't that sentence just sound like Pastor Monty, by the way? <laughs> but pas- passion happens when the breath of God invades your reality. And then when that breath comes in, he sparks passion in you. And this passion kind of starts to play out in you. This is like, okay, you have what was dead. You were dead in your, in your sins. You were dead in your trespasses. But now through Christ, you are made alive. So when you were dead... That's a different life that you no longer live, that you no longer have. Those who are called by Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Come on now. Somebody's got to get with me on that one. I I know I'm preaching with that one. That's a good one right there. The old is gone and the new has come. And passion is sparked in our heart. Passion is sparked in our life. All of us can know that. Anybody in Christ knows that. The second that the breath of God, as Monty says, the breshith. Y'all heard that? Come on now. I like that one. But the breshith comes alive in you. That same spark at the dawn of creation that spun the world into existence, that speaks passion into your heart. It's a change. It's a switch. And it should be. If it's not, we we need to go back and cover some basics on that, okay? We got to go backwards. Passion is about about who God is and who you are because of him. Right? Right? There's a great philosopher. His name was Soren Kierkegaard. He was a Christian philosopher. And he said this. I love, I love, I love, I love this. And he said, and now with God's help, I will become myself. From the very beginning of time, before anything was spoken to existence, God had an idea for you. God had an identity for you. God had a plan for you, a vision for you, a passion for you. And that's what comes to you at that moment where you cross from death to life. God begins to stir that passion. He's like, now we're getting started, man. Now we're getting rolling down that road that I've been waiting for them to go down for however many years, insert your age, whatever, like in that, in that time where you came to Christ, insert that there. And then this is important right here. This was at the very end of it. said, you can only receive passion from your creator. And his passion lines up with his word. Amen? If you have some other passion that you don't see in there, either it's, either it's kind of, you know, a different one. Like, okay, well, maybe I need to kind of, you know, ask a pastor about this. Or there's a passion in there that's, that's like, uh, no, you should not be doing that. That's not from God. Amen? We, we can test him and know him by his word. Amen? So we follow now. We, we got passion down, right? So now we go to gifting. Gifting is part of God's design for you since before the earth was formed. So now you see where we're going, right? That passion leads you to that gifting. 
And that gifting is an outpouring of God's spirit in your life. We were designed to live in community and your gifts operate there. Okay, y'all remember that? You remember how we talked about gifting? Like if it's about me, if it puffs me up, it's no good. But when it becomes about your brother, when it becomes about your sister, when it becomes about your neighbor, when it becomes about the person sitting next to you in this room that you don't know and you ought to shake their hand and buy them lunch, uh, you, that, that's, that's what gifting is, okay? So we're following on that? Gifting builds the body. Gifting is not for yourself. There's a, when water is flowing through something, it's a river, but when water goes and stops, it's a swamp. Water going through, fresh, fresh water coming through, flowing through God's people, connecting everybody in the body. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Spirit of God is revealed in every believer as others need it to be revealed. God will take you in your path, on your journey, and wherever you're going. It says, it says well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm not going to say that yet, but... Uh, <laughs> that's coming later. That's coming later. Uh, but in every, every believer, somebody's got a need, right? In Acts, it, talked about that. it talks about that after this other passage that I'm going to read. But in Acts, it talks about that, that there were no one in need. There was no one in need. Everybody that had something, they were like, all right, I'm going to go sell this so I can have the resources to provide for my family. And not just my family like my blood, my family, my family, the body of Christ. God gives to everyone as they need there's something that kind of kind of God put on my heart uh, a while back that whenever we were going through all the Ida stuff I say Ida stuff it's catastrophic but um, that whenever we were going through all Ida and whenever we were becoming uh, more of a hub for supply and everything like that and I told this to Pastor John and them that we got a bunch of stuff in from the Coca-Cola plant and my timeline might be also, forgive me. But we got a bunch of stuff in from the Coca-Cola plant. A lot of it's still over there. And God told me in my heart, I was looking at this, all these resources, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I was thinking to myself, like, I'd like to buy that, or I'd like to provide that, or I'd like to do whatever. And God said, I already did. Because guess what? Coke is my hill that I own Catalan. You think it's a company. You think it's a private enterprise or you think it's a public entity that, that you can buy and sell and trace. Nope, my hill, my cattle. I will send it where I want. If he chooses to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out his material blessing upon people, what stops almighty God? Nothing. Nothing stops the almighty from doing what he wills. So as God provides those hills... I want to be one of those hills. I want to be one of those hills that got the goats on it, that God says, yes, you are my provider. You are one of those people that I'm going to take and use and build my kingdom through. And everything that I give you is meant to go from you. And don't worry, I got more. Amen? Amen. So that's gifting. Kind of, in a nutshell. I, 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 I rabbit trailed a little bit. But the main thing about gifting is that it operates in community. It doesn't operate out there like that. Not that, it, not that it's not good, but it works in here because we are under the blood. We are under his name. We are under this common knowledge, common thread, connective tissue of Jesus. So we get it. I go out there and I start like hooting and hollering in tongues and everything like that. Yeah, that may like edify my spirit, but what's that going to do for the non-believer? What's that going to do for them? Unless God comes in and translates like Pentecost, unless God comes in and does that right there, 
What's that going to do? We edify each other with our gifts, with our giftings. That's what it's meant for. It is meant to strengthen and edify and grow the body because as we can all testify ad infinitum, the world sucks. It's a rough place that bites and kicks and causes you to lose your cookies and everything of the sort. Like it, it steals from you. It robs you as the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy to tire out the saints. We come in here just dragging like, oh my God, Lord, what have you caused to happen? You know what I mean? So the world is a rough place. We need this community. We need the body. Wherever it is, if it's not in this room, whatever. Oh, our other communities in Australia, g'day. Our other communities in Kenya, Bona Asifiwe. We love you guys. Everybody give them a round of applause. Come on. So we are strengthened in the body. Okay, so we get to this connection point right here. I'm going to have to speed up. Oh, boy, we got a long way to go. Okay, uh, we get to this connection between passion and gifting, where the infilling of the Holy Spirit collides with the design that Jesus had for us before time was spun into existence. This is where calling takes place. Now, this is important to realize. Calling is a deeper relationship with Jesus where you are effective for his kingdom, both in the church and in the world. We cannot leave that other part out here. We can get all super nice and soaky and happy in here, but this is not where we're supposed to stay. Rivers are swamps. Are we going to stay in here and pull it up like Pastor Monty says, a sponge that gets rotten? Are we going to wring out? Are we going to wring it out over wherever God is taking us? And that's what it says literally in the Great Commission. It says, go into all of the earth, into, into Israel, Judea, and Samaria, and, and, all, and to the ends of the earth, and lo, I'll be with you always, okay? When he's saying that, that go, that's not like the, okay, everybody sell your stuff and go to Cambodia now. No. No, no, no. If he wants you to, if he wants you to, he will provide the way and the means and everything like that. But that doesn't mean everybody because he's got cattle on a, thousand hills everywhere so somebody's got to be somewhere to provide for others going around amen okay so that doesn't mean run out like that it means this is literally it's it's a gerund form of that it means as you are going doesn't mean go it means as you are going how many of us in here are breathing we need some help on CPR get the defibrillator we we good okay so guess what? You're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. You're going to get up out of this place at the end of this sermon, however, three hours or whatever it takes, and we're going to walk out of this place. It's not going to be three hours. It's not going to, like, chill, chill. We're good. We're good. We're going to walk out of this place, and we're going to be walking, going, doing something, going somewhere. As you are going, make disciples of all men. How many of y'all know somebody at work that needs to know Jesus? How many of y'all know somebody in your family that needs to know Jesus? As you are going, you carry the light and the name of Jesus wherever you go and wherever your feet tread, he can give you. Amen? At this intersection, we find who we are in him. This is not identity. This is relationship. We find that deeper relationship with Christ. So if you need a sermon title, right here, it's called Discover Calling, The Church Has Left the Building. 
Y'all hearing me? Y'all see where I'm going with this, right? The church has left the building. We're going to be studying out of an amazing prayer that Peter says to the disciples in Acts 4. So I want to give a little bit of context with this. I do this every single time. This is kind of how I, my brain works. As I said, I love history. I love little factoids and stuff. So I always dig into the context of the scripture. And I always say this little ditty. If you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. So you can't, you, you can't separate that. Too many times Christians, especially churches and church culture, zap that scripture right out of the Bible and just say, and they make it what they want. And if God is revealed in his word, guess what? It says not his word, so he is not revealing himself in that. Okay? So this is why we study and show ourselves approved. So this, this passage that we're going to be reading out of in, uh, in Acts chapter 4, the disciples, they just healed a guy at the beautiful gate. He was paralyzed for 40 years in his legs, okay, withered 40, 40 years in his legs. And everybody knew this dude. It's like the local beggar that everybody knew. He couldn't get up and go anywhere. I'm not saying that rude. I'm not, I'm not saying that rude, but he really couldn't go that far. So you knew the guy. He was your neighborhood guy, okay? For 40 years, he was your neighborhood guy. And he, he would pass by. People would support him, give him alms. and so, I, I'm Serious, I'm not trying to say a joke about that. I'm not. I'm sorry. That might have been a little rude. I apologize. But this was your guy. You knew him. You passed by him. People supported him. And as the disciples were going, this is, this is important. At the very beginning of the chapter, it says, as they were going up for midday prayer. Didn't say like, hey, I'm going to go heal this guy now. No, no, no. They were just going to pray. They were going up to the house of God to pray. And as they were going up there, there was this cat sitting there, 40 years, legs don't work. And they, he's asking him for money. And he said, and that's where we hear that, that really, really good line, silver and gold we have not, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. The man's legs after 40 years, that's three years older than me. God, I'm old. But three years older than me, this man's 40-year-old broke legs worked just like that. Just, they, he just got up, and it's like, well, this is new. <laughs> just got up. And this causes a massive stir, obviously, as it, as it would. You know, you would, you would hear about that on the local news. And this causes a massive stir. Okay, so this is an Acts. This is roughly two months after the resurrection. So in the resurrection happened, we had Passover Saturday, remember? This, af- this came after Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. At this, this it's, a, it's a festival lined out in Exodus. It's the Feast of Weeks that happens at this time. And that means seven weeks plus a day, 50. Okay? So it happens roughly two months after the resurrection. These are, and um, the, the disciples are taken to the high priest again, Annas and Caiaphas. And, I, oh, I want to tell a little factoid there, but I'm not going to. So they were taken to Annas and Caiaphas. Never mind, I will. Uh, in 1990, <laughs> sorry, I was studying. In 1990, there was a dig south of Jerusalem, and there was a grave that was uncovered, and there were limestone coffins in it, and one of them said, these are the bones of Caiaphas. Literally this, in, in, a, in a scientific context, okay, mind you, we don't look at things at, 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 at that, but this is something that, one of those things that the world, you can kind of put it at the world and say, ha ha, yeah, there are people that have been found from the Bible. If, if this is Caiaphas' bones, it is the first person in the Bible whose physical remains have been found. Pretty cool. So uh, that was in 1990, by the way. So um, they took the disciples before Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, and they were, you know, giving them, giving them the what for, you know, the talking to. Now, let's build, this, let's build this a little bit piece by piece. I'm going somewhere with this. 
They were in the same scenario they had with Jesus. Like just two months ago, they had this crazy dude that was healing the sick and raising the dead. And blah, blah, blah. You know, you remember the Jesus stuff? Yeah. That, this, so now they're like, oh man, here we are again. And then they recognize him. It says these are, they recognize these are people with Jesus. So like, come on, man. We thought we were done with this. We thought we were done with this guy. And now his disciples are doing the same thing. So this is the high priest, disciples before them, rinse and repeat of what they did to Jesus. Amen? Okay, that's where we are. They said, oh, Lord, here we go again. A miracle just happened. They can't go and, you know, take them there because there's, there's all these people around them that are praising God for what happened, and they're not going to come in there and be like, oh, yeah, I know y'all think this was God, but no, we don't like them. You know, they're not going to do that because they're going to cause a riot. So they brought them in afterwards, and they, they gave them a talking to, they gave them the what for, and then they beat them, and then they strictly charged them, do not preach in Jesus' name. Okay, again, I call this into light. Is this just a story, or is this real? It's real. So we're going to read it as such. So they go back to their friends, and I'm going to pick up in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. For truly, this is the city where we're gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and all the peoples of Israel. So they're recreating this scene. We're back. We're back in the exact same spot that Jesus was. Now, what happened to Jesus when these threats were made against him? Not a trick question. Y'all know it. What happened to him? He was crucified. He was crucified. The most brutal form of murderous torture in that day. That happened to their boy, to Jesus, to their king, to their head. Now they're getting the same threats from the same people two months after it happened to Jesus. They took it seriously. It was real. This wasn't like, a, ah, whatever, we'll be fine. No, they knew that if they did not comply, gruesome, torturous death awaited them. That's where we are in this prayer. I don't know about y'all, I would be friggin' shaken. I would be very, very, very afraid, okay? But what did they pray for? Comfort, deliverance, safety, protection, healing, you know, like hide us, Lord, anything like that? Nope. They, in Acts 4, 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Boldness. Wow. What? Like, does anybody, does that, like, like seriously, I, I, was, I was sitting here reading, I was, I was, uh, I was, I, I was actually where you were sitting when I was reading it, and I was sitting right there, and that hit me, and I'm supposed to go through, like, the, like, uh, like a couple of the chapters, and I just put it down, I was like, uh-uh, I can't, uh, no, I gotta walk this out, man. I gotta, I'm sitting here pacing in here for, like, 45 minutes, I'm like, Lord, like, boldness, really? Blew my mind that they asked for boldness. With the whole world against them, with the imminent threat of harm to themselves and their families, 
and their families with no allies and being completely outnumbered, they called on the Lord in the face of certain persecution unto death. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for the boldness, the courage to continue in this. They could have ran away like they did before. Remember, two months before, the shepherd was struck and the sheep scattered. Two months before, this same dude praying it denied Jesus to his face three times. Two months before, Jesus had no allies around him, nothing, because everybody fled in fear for their lives. Now, these guys are praying for boldness. Unto death, mind you. They are ready to get up on the cross like Jesus. They are ready to sacrifice themselves for whatever Jesus was wanting them to do. This is crazy. This is crazy, y'all. But this is the word of God. This is what happened. This is what these men did in Jesus' name through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And it said, as, uh, look upon their threats. Your servant continued, uh, uh, so we continue speaking all bullets. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed for that indwelling, that empowerment. So we see these same people. They all abandoned Jesus. They denied him to his face. They gave up on what they learned and went back to their old lives. Even at one point, Peter starts going fishing again. He's like, ah, forget it. I'm going fishing. Let's go. Even at that, he's still going back to his old life. So the big question in, that's the illumination. Monty speaks in shuns, you know, illumination, conclusion, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but that's, the, that's where we see this calling manifested in the text. So we ask this big question. What changed? What changed in the disciples? We see these guys. It's a short time, too. It's not like we're talking January to March. Not like, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't years and years of seminary and study and everything like that. No, these were simple dudes. Simple, young dudes. All of them were probably under 20 by that point. Young dudes. So the disciples were different now. What changed? Between Jesus dying and now... We have seen a couple things. We've seen his burial, well, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Then he appeared first. I love this. I love this. I love this. He appeared first to who? You know? He appeared first to the women. First people in the entire history to ever hear the gospel. Women. He didn't appear to his dudes because you know what? They didn't believe him. They didn't believe him any time. We're so friggin' stubborn, dudes. Listen, listen. First he appeared to the women. That's not like, you know, hyper-feminist or whatever like that. No, 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 no. We, like, my wife and I are in a, in a really, really cool study right now. And uh, so, like, we're, I'm, that's where my head is. But that's not, I'm not trying to go like, oh, yeah, women are, oh, like, no, we're, come on. We're, we're all together in this. Y'all aren't below us. Y'all aren't above us. We aren't below you. We aren't above you. We're right there with you. Amen? We're together. So then after that, he appeared to 500 plus more, and then his ascension. And then 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks and everything like that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples had found calling. They knew what it meant to follow Jesus. That's the switch. 
Now they're having aha moment left and right. Could, could you imagine? You've been walking with Jesus for three years. You just, this cat's speaking and all sorts of stuff, and you're like, man, I don't know what he's saying. Like, we got to constantly ask him about it afterwards, and Jesus is like, man, how long I got to be with y'all? Why don't y'all get this? You, you know what I mean? So it's, just, it's, it's frustrating. But all the teachings they had walked in for the past three years now came together as the foundation of their lives going forward. You can sort of imagine them having that wave of revelation and the Holy Spirit began to guide them in all truth. We see this in, to, in the text. Jesus prophesied that this was going to happen to them. He prophesied, not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or anything like that, that they would finally get it. Go to John 16, 12, and 13. It's going to be on the screen. I still have, this is Jesus alive now. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. They're getting it. They're getting it now. Y'all see this translation? I mean, you see this transformation that's happening right here? They are having like... Oh my gosh, that's what he meant. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. Like I, when he said this and when he did the loaves and when he, when he healed this person and when he told this parable, now I get it. Now I understand what my calling is. I'm using that word on purpose because calling is relationship in this context. Now they see Jesus. Now they see him fully. They understand what he meant, what his word said. Fulfilling the prophecy Jesus made, the disciples were now living what Jesus had been teaching all along. We see this in their prayer for boldness and in their lives. Now they're saying like, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I am seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we trust that everything will be added unto us. Amen? Oh, do we believe that this morning, that we believe and trust that Jesus is our provider? If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, that would make Solomon blush. How much more does he love you? How much more will he clothe you? If he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love his people that carry his literal identity? How much more? So the disciples got it. They got it. They got the essence of what Jesus also said in another spot, Matthew 13, 44, and 45. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Do we see this? I know I'm hammering down on this. I know I'm hammering down on this, and I don't want to be droning in this, but we have to get this. We have to get this switch because this switch doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with the disciples. It hasn't stopped with them. We see the same zeal or enthusiasm in the disciples' actions and prayers. In this, we see their passion for following Jesus connected to their calling to preach the good news of Jesus. What is the good news of Jesus, by the way? Anybody know that? He is risen. 
the good news that Christ is risen. Paul says that if the resurrection is not real, then we are to be pitied above all men. Because if the resurrection is not real, then Jesus is what those other religions say he was. Then Jesus is what the world says he is. If the resurrection is not true, but, but, he is risen He is risen. He is risen. He has manifested himself in signs and wonders as we see before they got brought before the Sanhedrin. He has manifested himself and his presence as we have seen in signs and wonders in this very room. We have all encountered a holy and amazing God. We have encountered the divinity. In this We see their passion for following Jesus connected to the calling to preach the good news of Jesus. Because like it says at the end of that, uh, at at the end of the accusations for the Sanhedrin, Acts 4.20, it says, for we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. Y'all know that passage in Jeremiah? You know what he says? How it's like fire pent up in his bones that I cannot help but speak the name of Jesus. I cannot help but preach his name. Not because it's about me, not because it's about my name making myself bigger, but it's like fire pent up in me. I've got to get it out. I've got to tell somebody about the name of Jesus. I've got to tell somebody the good news that he is risen, that he is risen and we can rise with him. Amen. There y'all are. Woo! So it's sort of, we see this in scripture. And again, I take this really literal approach to it. I'm just like, okay, I'm trying to put myself, like if I'm sitting there with Pete and we're just talking things through, like how would I feel? If I put myself in that context, how would it be? Like this is, it's real trippy to kind of read through that life change. You see that life change happen on paper. It's like a real deal, you know? What's more amazing is that we have the same life change in Christ. If... If we allow the Holy Spirit to lead, he will connect passion to gifting to produce the calling. Amen? He will. It's not us. If we do it, then it's an extension of our selfishness. If it comes from us, fallen, sinful, broken, dead in our sins, it's about us. If he's not at the helm, if he's not leading, if he's not giving and inspiring and spinning and pushing and whispering to you, if it's not at his discretion, his direction, it's about you. It's about you. And I'm not, like, I'm going to do my best. I've been telling everybody before, like, I'm I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be mean. But we have some hard stuff to talk about this morning, church. We've got some things to sort out. We see the disciples' passion revealed in their prayers, boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, healing signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. We see their passion revealed in their actions, preaching the name of Jesus, living in unity, selling their possessions to fill the needs of the group in the congregation. Nola fam, I am speaking to you. What is your calling? Is it career? Family? Look, None of these things are bad that I'm about to talk about. None of these things are bad that we have them. I got a family. I got a career. I love them both. But is that my relationship? Is that my relationship with Christ? Is that my relationship that I base myself on? Career, family, 
another relationship. Like, I love my wife to absolute pieces. She gets annoyed at all get out how much I tell her that. Okay? Guess what? I can't stand on that. That won't take me into eternity. That won't give me what I need to get up and get going. That won't give me what I need to tell somebody else about Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God alone does that. I know this is a, these are hard questions to ask. I know they are. Look, I get it. We're fallen. We are weird things. The brain, the brain is a fickle thing, and even more so the heart. You know what I mean? Who can know a man's heart? You know what I mean? That's a, I think that's a Proverbs. Um, like who can know the depths of a man's heart? No one. No one except Jesus. No one except because he created it. So he's like, yeah, like, you know, all the stuff that you don't know how to figure out. Yeah, that, I thought that up. You know, that came out of my head. So if you're going to try to translate it, how about you come to me instead of the, the biggest uh, self-help book section. That's a, that, y'all, ever, y'all ever figure that out yet? The biggest, the biggest section in the bookstores is self-help. That's because they're all trying to figure it out, and, and we've already got it. We're just, laughing. We're just sitting over there laughing at them like, oh, y'all, y'all come over here. Come on. I know these are hard questions to answer. But then if those questions are hard to answer of what is your calling, where are you based, then let's look at what the disciples did. What are you praying for? Are we praying for God's kingdom to grow? Are we praying for Jesus' name to be made known? Are we praying for a deeper understanding of him? Or even are we praying for others? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two things, there are no greater commandments. Loving God and loving people. Are we praying for those things? Are we? If we're not, look, I'm coming right here for me, for my heart. I know it, it starts up here. It starts in leadership. I know that's where it starts. But we have to ask ourselves these questions. We cannot shy away from these things what are you praying for what are you doing as we saw the disciples prayers for boldness to continue to preach and continue to live in Christ then what did they do they told others about Jesus are we telling others about Jesus are we having the lost come into the body or are we having church transplants nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that hear me hear me you need to be in a community. This one's an, an awesome, awesome, awesome community filled with amazing godly people that will reach back to you, okay? Bet money. But are we just running from church to church to church to church saying, I, I feel God over here better than I feel God over here, or I'm getting more fed over here than I'm getting fed over here? Look, I know I'm sounding like Monty on that, and I try, I'm trying to give you all a break from, from, from his, his words like that, but they just ring so true that at some point you're supposed to get past milk and get onto the meat and potatoes of the word, amen? You're supposed to get into the deeper water eventually. And guess what? A pastor doesn't take you there. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit takes you there. The same words that Pastor Monty is getting, the Holy Spirit's speaking it to him and he wants to speak it to us. 
He wants to speak it to us in the depths of our soul. We need a pastor. We have to have a pastor over us, giving us the authority under which we can operate, giving us those words of direction and guidance and leadership, following somewhere that a vision that God has given to a holy man. That is why we need a pastor. But Monty's not going to stand before you in heaven. Monty's not going to stand beside you when Jesus calls you to account for everything you've done. Your wife's not going to stand before you. Your boyfriend and your girlfriend, your friends, your job, your career. Nothing is going to stand with you at the feet of Jesus. Are we telling others about Jesus? Are we living in unity? Are we living as a community? Because that is really where we see God showing up all the time, especially for this prayer for boldness. The best part of it, I left out. And you go on to uh, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This wasn't Pete praying by himself. This wasn't Johnny Boy praying by himself. This was all of them, all of them together with one heart, one voice, one mind, one accord. That's, that's the mantra, kind of a uh, bad word. That's the catchphrase for the stage that I have for my team. One voice, one heart, one mind. We are here with one sole purpose, to praise Jesus. If you see us, we did a bad job. I'm serious. If you see us and be like, oh, wow, that, that looks great, or that's our, whatever. No, not, not say you know, I'll notice there are people on stage. We're not invisible. I get that. But if you see us and you think we're great, we did a bad job. We are trying to wholeheartedly cast every single bit of ourselves onto Christ. And it said, as John the Baptist said, we must decrease so that he may increase. So with one voice, one heart, one accord, they were living in unity. They were providing for, the others, for others' needs in the church. Are we doing that? Maybe we are. Maybe we are. This is, none of this is meant to, you know, like cut you off at the knees or say like things that you're doing are not correct. This is an investigation. We're diving deep. We're uncovering things. Not for the sake of guilt. Not for the sake of guilt. But for the sake of revelation. That God may touch it and turn it for his glory. Amen? In what things are our faith? These are the things that we need to ask ourselves. These are the, these are the questions that we've got to get through. They're hard. Listen, I know it's so hard to hear. But we must hear this. We must, as a body, as a responsible body of believers, as people who are living together in community, judgment starts with the house of the Lord. That's a rough sentence to get out. I'm sorry. Please don't hate me. That's the word, not me. But judgment starts with the house of the Lord. What are we doing as a body, as a group? What are we doing? Are we telling others about Christ? Are we living in unity? Are we meeting the needs of the congregation? Because if you have a need, you're supposed to come to the body to get that filled, right? Because you can go to the world and fill that, and we all know what that looks like, right? What are the things that the world tries to fill you with? Yourself. The world tries to backfill you with selfishness, saying, yeah, if you just dive in more, if you just take care of yourself, if you just take care of your mind, if you just take care of your, if you find your identity, if you do all those things. The Bible doesn't talk about identity. It talks about God's identity. It talks about who he is, and we find ourselves in him. 
not we learn who we are and then we can come to God. Nope, backwards. We learn who God is and then he breathes into us what he wants us to be. Amen? We cannot, we cannot turn away and turn our eyes away from what Jesus wants to show us and where he wants to take us. I'll reword that. You cannot turn your eyes away to what Jesus wants to show you and where he wants to take you. We must open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and let him lead. Church culture, I say it all the time, hear me out, I say it all the time, that I don't like church. I've heard it said that if Jesus were to show up today, we'd have to teach him how to do church. That so much of what we do in here is kind of like the Pharisees, like it, which is not bad to a certain extent, that the Pharisees had the law, but then they built gates around that law to protect that law, so make sure it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. I know that's the edge of the stage right there, but instead of walking near it, I'm going to walk over here as far as I can from it, but then now this is holiness. Now this is the new rule. Now this is what you have to follow. God didn't say that. We did. There's so much that we practice in here that God didn't say, that Jesus didn't say in his word. Now, look, some stuff is based on good things, you know, like I, I understand where these things, the genesis of these things, you know, like confession in Catholicism comes from that scripture, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. But then it became a law that if you don't go to confession, now you're under guilt. Not true. Jesus gave you the way to be healed. He gave you the way to get that out of you because it's like, it's like just poison pent up in you and you got to talk to somebody. You go to the body. You go to the body and you are in community there and then you receive healing in there as you confess, as we strip off these things. It's beyond time that God's people realize that this life is not about them. It's never been. If God is about his glory and he will share it with no one, then we should be about his glory and we should give it to no one else. Amen? It's not about us. And there is freedom in that. That is a whole new Oprah Winfrey show. I'm not going to go into that. But... There is freedom in that. Whenever all of a sudden life's not about you anymore. Some, some dude cuts you off in traffic. Ah, doesn't matter. I'm not, it's not about me. Some dude curses at you somewhere. Some person lays you out. And so, some person does anything to you. It's not about you. Some person talks bad about you on the internet. God forbid. I ain't even gonna get into that, man. I don't, I barely have any social media. Like I just I, I can't I can't stand it. Internet internet's toxic. But Somebody talks bad about you. I know people care about it, and I'm not going to dismiss that. People care about that. It hurts them. It's real. Why do you think the suicide rate's up in this country? It's ridiculous because people can't get it out that somebody hates them. It doesn't matter if somebody hates you. The world is going to hate you. Jesus loves you. You have a holy and amazing, unbelievable fireball of a God that says, I approve of you because you look like me and you're mine. And we 
have the audacity to care about Jesse down the street saying my shoes look bad. I'm not, like, again, I don't want to belittle that. That's, that's a little too belittling on there. People are hurt by that. They are. Bring that to the cross. Bring that to the body. Bring that to Jesus. You're not going to find anything different out there. Trust me. I know. You're not going to find anything different out on the internet. It's all the same. It's all awful with a little bit of sprinkles and nice in it. And that's it. And they're like, oh, we're just going to hold on to that little morsel so we don't pay attention to the other 99% of crap behind me because we just think we want to try to justify that the world is okay, that the world is good, that the world's got something for me. Newsflash, it doesn't. It is empty, it is broken, and it will lead only to destruction. That's all it ever will. So we see these things. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. <laughs> no, no, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> so we see these things we see these things amplified in scripture this transition from passion and gifting into calling this prayer for boldness this template of how we are to live how we are to go how, how, they, how they are doing it the disciples weren't living this out saying hey we're going to live this out so you guys can know what no they were living their lives that's all it was as they were going, their heart was replaced with a heart of flesh. Their spirit was indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Their mind was transformed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, their heart is Jesus's. Their thoughts are Jesus's. Their mind, their spirit is led by the Holy Spirit. Some of them got it wrong sometimes. Some of them got it right sometimes. But that's what we see, that they lived in community in that reality. That's the way they lived. So we should follow the same example. We should look at what they did. Look how God approved that, blessed that, poured his spirit out on that and replicated. Do the same. That's why it's included in here. That's why it's even in the word because it's like, hey, pay attention to here. There's a really good godly lesson in this thing that we just call the story. There's a really, really good God reality that we just dismissed as something we learned X amount of years ago. Or it's just an old book. It was written, you know, thousands of years ago, translated a bunch of different times and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it might have some good things here and there, but, you know, so does purpose-driven life, so whatever. You know, like, it's, it, they're not the same. They're not equal. This is the holy word of God that we are to dive into, to have it manifest in our life. So as we see the disciples laying these things down, and I'm coming to a close, finally. Um, as we see the disciples laying these things down, as we see them stripping away all that was, as we see them operating in a new mindset, a new heart, Praying for boldness instead of protection. Praying for the confidence in Christ that no matter what, even if it goes unto death, I'm still preaching Jesus. I'm still living Jesus. I've heard it said, speak the gospel, uh, uh, speak the gospel always, and if absolutely necessary, use words. I challenge that. You should be living that way. You should should. If you are a called believer in Christ, yes, 
That is, that is what you should be doing. Your very actions. It says it all over the place. It says it in the, in the passages about the spouse, that if, you, if, if two spouses are married and then one becomes saved and the other's not, the other should live as, as Christ demanded that they live. And that will speak to the other. That's a real thing. But then also, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. We must speak to people. Look at the culture around us. Look at the world around us. Tell me that doesn't need a little bit of truth in it. Tell me that doesn't need a little bit of real in it. It's got no substance you try, to base things, you try to base things in your life on the world, it crumbles. It is shifting sand. It's not steady. It's fake. Fake news and misinformation, whatever. You know what I mean. Y'all, y'all get it. The world is dying for a little bit of reality, a little bit of truth, a little bit of something that they say, wow, when I push that, it doesn't shake. When I, when I stand on that, it doesn't move. This is weird because it's not of this world. So I say in closing, in conclusion, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We know this one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about the hall of faith before that, Moses and Abraham and Isaac and all of these people that were faithful and it was accredited to them as righteousness. Since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God amen what is our calling church not career, not families, not relationship, not your future, not a 401k, not money, not anything like that. Again, none of that is bad. None of it. God uses that. Those are his resources. Those are his cattle on a thousand hill. He uses that to affect his kingdom. But that's not what life's about. That's not what we're doing. That's not our calling. Our calling is Jesus. Jesus alone. Such a Sunday school answer. I know. I know. But it's Jesus and Jesus alone. He gives all. He is at the root of all. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Our lives are to reflect that. If you walk in somewhere and people don't know that you're Jesus is, we need to talk. Not mean, not be mean. We just need to talk about what's in the way because that's a distraction that the enemy has put on you and the church has to take that out. The body has to take that out. The two blind people with stuff in their eye, we look at it like, oh, yeah, the guy had a log. He was way worse. No, the other guy had stuff in his eye too. He could just see a little better. That's a story of mercy and grace, not judgment. Go, to the body. Go to your fellow believers. If you have to, go to the pastor. He's just one dude, though. There are dozens of people in here right now that could talk to you about whatever you need. Go to the body and 
find these things that trip you up. Because like, like Jesus had the exceeding joy set before him endured the cross. As he operated in that joy, so do we. We spurn the shame, we despise the shame of everything that could come about with the trappings of this world, and we seek Jesus. We seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. And that's a trust exercise because as we seek that, everything we could possibly need is granted unto us. Everything we possibly need is given unto us. Why would he not? It doesn't make sense, right? If God is like, here, I'm going to do all this for you, you get no equipment. You got to drive to L.A. and I ain't giving you no gas. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? He will supply whatever you need. He will supply. Our calling is Jesus. I ask this genuinely. If you don't know him, or rather, let's start over. Do you know Jesus? Do you? It's a fair question. There's a lot of lost people in the church. Look, that, that ain't that, like, if we think we're all like sanctified and saved saints, uh-uh, no. Trust me, there's a lot of lost people in the church. That's why the Lord told those stories about you leave the 99 to go for the one. That's in the church, baby. You leave the 99, the shepherd, after knowing that he's counted and he's got 99 sheep that are good and there's one gone, he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. Or the woman that lost a coin. She had a whole bunch of other coins, but she lost that one. So she turned her house, house, turned it upside down. And then after she found it, she rejoiced. She called the whole neighborhood over and be like, I found it. I found it, y'all. It was lost and I got it back. Y'all come celebrate with me. That's what happens in the house. So if you, if you do not know Jesus, today is your lucky day for repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Jesus was buried. He died. He, he went down to, uh, to the depths, got the saints in waiting, destroyed death forever and took the keys and rose in victory. And he is seated on high at the right hand of the father right now. We do not worship a corpse. We worship a living God. He's alive. In that resurrection, we get to rise too. We repeat that. He does the same power in us that he did in Jesus in the grave. Repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. We love to baptize some folk up in here. We got a big old cow trough that goes over there and it's nice. The water's cold as all get out. Well, now it'll be nice and warm, but it was cold as all get out in the winter. It's an awesome thing. Go talk to some other believers in here and they will tell you the same thing. If your answer is yes, that you do know Jesus. In mercy and in grace and in humility as much as I can possibly muster to not throw stones. What are the things that keep you from living in your calling? I'm not talking about self-help. I'm not talking about the things that, oh yeah, I would, I would feel better about this. That's you. How dare I stand up here and puff you up? The kingdom of God must go forward. It will go forward. 
There's so many places in Scripture that we can go to. We can do so many studies about. There, there, there's that one where, G, where uh, I oh gosh, I can't remember that. He was saying that there's no one righteous in the city. And Jesus is, and God's like, I still got people in, in there that are righteous that you don't even know about. God is using somebody. His, his name will go forward. His kingdom will go forward. It's not dependent on you to get it right because he already got it right. He's going there whether you do or not. So what are the things that keep us from walking with him? What is the sin that clings so closely that you can see as a weight on your heart, a weight on your mind, a weight on your thoughts? That thing that you're just like, God, I would do this, but, God, I would live for you, but, what is that? What comes after that? Insert yours there and pray. Pray for that lift. Pray for that change that the disciples had. Pray for that change that now all of a sudden their lives were as sacrifice. That they didn't even care down to the very well-being of their lives, of their families, of nothing. Nothing superseded the surpassing joy and greatness of pursuing the kingdom of God, of living their lives for Christ. Find those things in your heart. Find those things. And as we're closing... I know this is, it's heavy. Trust me, whenever I was going through this, I was like, God, you sure you want me to talk about this? Because this is like, I got I to gotta kind of get up there and like mess with people. I don't like that. I, I don't like, like you, you can talk to my family. Like we don't, we don't like confrontation. We don't like that. We like to stay in the happy zone. You know what I mean? We like to, we like to be all nice and good. And if something happens, we just ah, forget about that. Just keep moving, you know? That's where, that's where I naturally fall to. I don't like being messed up and in somebody's business like that. But we have to ask ourselves these things. We have to explore this. This is not an act of judgment. This is not an act of retribution. This is an act of mercy. Why would I let a kid play out in the street when the truck's coming? If I'm not going to yell at her, I'm just going to stand there and be like, I hope they look. <laughs> I'm going to say something. I'm going to holler. I have to. It is for the exceeding joy before us that we will, we will bear account for this. That's a good thing because that means that we're going to go up there and we're going to stand before him and we're going to be like, Lord, I may not have gotten it all right. And I know your grace covers that, but Lord, I tried all that I could to live for you. I tried all that I could to pour myself out. I heard it said, if, you're, if, if, you, like, uh, if we're running our race, are you just going to sit there and trot along and you're going to not take any chances 
and you're going to play it all safe and stuff like that to make sure that you get to eternity, not all nice and safe? Or would you rather slide in scratched and bleeding and dirty because you went after it? Because you went after that one. Because you lived it. Because you didn't take the Bible and look at it as a story. You didn't take Jesus and look at him as some historical figure that was a nice guy. You took it to heart. And the Holy Spirit wound you up with his passion, wound you up with his spirit to pour out his gifting from you. And that radically transforms your life and radically transforms your surrounding, your job, your family, your city, your country, your world. And whatever context that takes, maybe, maybe your world is only New Orleans. Fine, cool, change it. Go for it. There is nothing stopping us nothing hell and death itself could not conquer Jesus how much less of a hold does it have on you it's done it is finished now we have the ability to walk in that now we have the access to walk in that God's given you the gas to get to L.A. He's given you the money that you need. He's given you the focus that you need. He's giving you the boldness that you need. Whatever context that looks like, whatever my hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. This doesn't mean be a missionary. This doesn't mean go out and, and, and let's sell everything and all roll out. If it does, it does. Cool, go do it. There's a lot of people in this city that need to know Jesus. There's like 95 religions in this city or something like that. It's, it's insane. There's a lot of people that need to know Jesus right here. Within a mile radius of you, there are thousands of people that need to know him now. Right now. I don't speak with guilt. I don't speak with shame. I don't speak in heaping anything over that. That's what the Holy Spirit, if he wants to do that, let him do that. Let him do that. And that's fine. All I plead with, all I am pleading for is that you be open to him. Allow the Holy Spirit to investigate you, to pull those things out that they're in the darkness. You couldn't see them. You knew something was there, but you didn't know what it was. Allow him to turn the light on there. Allow him to say, this is what you've been hiding from me. And then as he asks you, will you give it to me? You say, yeah, yeah, I'll let it go. I don't know how it looks like. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know whatever's gonna ha- whatever needs to happen with that. The Holy Spirit is a way better guide, healer, teacher, everything like that. He's way better at it than me, so I don't know. He's way better at it than Pastor Monty. Pastor Monty can answer some questions for you, but he can't turn that light on there. The Holy Spirit does. The revelation of the Holy Spirit showing you these places where you have kept something. That is what makes the difference. That is what makes that change. That's where you go from from praying, oh God, hide me, protect me, save me, to oh God, let me face the waves. My flesh is failing, Lord Jesus. My flesh is failing. My knees are buckling. My feet hurt. My throat is clenched up because I hadn't taken a sip of water this entire sermon or anything like that. Everything is failing in me, Jesus. I'm not enough. 
you are. You are. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with your courage. Fill me with your boldness that I may go and preach your name to the dead and dying. Even though they try to claim me for themselves, I will continue. I will preach. I'm speaking to myself so bad right now. I am. I promise. I ain't some holy figure up here. I I promise I'm not. I need it. I need that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I need his power. I need him to lift me up like that. If I don't, lost. I'm lost. If the Holy Spirit stopped giving to me, I guarantee you, y'all would never see me again. He's got to give to me or I'm going to fall apart. Make that your source. Jesus, we make ourselves available to you. Holy Spirit, come blow through this place. Your name be lifted high. Your name be made great. In all things, Jesus. In all things, you are the center, Lord. And though we're scared, though we're afraid, though we're weak, though we are incapable because we are dead in our transgressions and dead doesn't choose. Dead doesn't say, I'm not dead anymore. We're dead without you. Holy Spirit, come to us. Revive us. Renew that right spirit in us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation, Father. We open ourselves to you. And we just simply come and we make ourselves available and we sing this out. Here I am, here I am. You can have it all, you can have it all. Here I am. Here I am.